This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In a pie, in a pour, in a three, two, one. Welcome everyone to another episode of Genius Brain. Today we have a special guest. Well, before that, let me let you know that I am one of your hosts, Joji Tsukawa, and uh Right next to my right, for the those are that you are watching, it is David So. And to my <laughs> left, which is your right if you're watching on video, is a good friend of mine that I've known for over what twenty plus years now. That's so fucking long. I know, too right? Long, it's crazy. Long. Um um and if I were to introduce him to you back in the day, he was a raver. <laughs> Doc, I feel like that's every single one of your interactions is like this uh, successful mogul. We used to do drugs together. Yes. <laughs> hey, man, networking is where it's at, right? So, <laughs> uh, and a donut shop worker. Yep. Which, 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 uh, fast forward to today, if I were to introduce you to who he is, he is a. Serial entrepreneur has a very successful video game distribution company um, called Inex. It's in, insane. It's 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 amazing. It's like a thirty million dollar a year business. It's fucking nuts. Um, as well as many many food concepts. And every time I talk to you, I feel like you're in a whole new damn business. Just recently, <laughs> you told me you're a partner to a fucking VR shooting experience. I yeah. don't know, man. And every, I swear, every week, I feel like you're buying a whole new business. <laughs> so it's hard to keep up with all the things you're into. But yeah, Joey Nagoy. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Hey. Wait, so wait, wait. You started off doing what? Donuts? Uh, my family or me? So I I was actually in high school, I think, when, when Joe and I were. Yep. And he had person. long, luscious bleach bangs. That's when I actually had hair. <laughs> I bleached my hair like. Like every week, and, look yeah. and you see sunning, did, did. Yeah, sunning like that. Go out in the sun and yeah, oh my, and be God, out there dude. for yeah. like an hour, and then oh, it's golden brown. And he had these tall spikes. Yeah, yeah. Or like that's when I first met you. Yeah. yeah, but that time I was, you know, I was going to high school, barely showed up, yep. went raving four times a week. God damn, dude! And yep. then working in the donut shop. Yeah, I thought you were so cool because you had a you had a BMW back then, and I was like, "You're rich! Oh my god, how how were you how were you in high school?" And then um, yeah, and then we would just fucking drug out at Master Dome, Fun House, whatever. And then there'll be the party, there'll be there'll be an after party at someone's house, and we would end up doing more stuff. (laughs) Drinking orange juice to to, to, to kick keep, it back up. Yeah, I'm surprised your guys' brain is aren't isn't putty putty or some shit, dude. You guys are fucking crazy, dude. And such a, at such a young age too, just going that fucking ham, a little too rough, huh? <laughs> are we the same age? We're uh, I'm 82. Oh shit, yeah. Okay, so you were like 16. I was 14. Yeah, 
Yeah, damn. Yeah, yeah. that's why you had to call. Yeah. Yeah, people like, damn, yeah. you raved that early. Yeah, <laughs> so we, I remember that time. That was like when Insomniac used to throw parties at at, at uh, La Casa in downtown. Oh, that was Matrix Wednesdays. Matrix Wednesdays, Johnny Matrix, dude. That's yeah. so crazy. We'd go party till like eight. Go to school yeah. with our kicker pants. Johnny Matrix was this uh, <laughs> Korean like, fob. This? He was this Korean fob, right? And his name was Johnny Matrix. And I don't know where he got his money. Oh, dang. I don't yeah. know. And, yeah, I just had no fucking clue. But he would throw these raves every Wednesday night. And yeah. it, it would just be a bunch of fucking high school kids drugged the fuck out yeah. all over the place. And we were there yeah. every Wednesday. Every and then Wednesday, Thursday, we'd Thursday. do the next thing. And Friday, we'd go to a massive. Yeah. And Saturday. Yep. Master Dome, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was like the beginning of like EDC, audiotistic. <laughs> fucking hard all those festivals now that are multi-fucking million dollar businesses it was just a piece of shit like it was like a fucking little you get Isn't farmland trip and do though, when you see how big raving got it was like such an underground thing you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah. it was like you had you knew somebody that knew somebody that did, that did that shit then you got in you know what i mean but now it's such a commercial yeah. thing now it, it's so fucking big yeah. and girls literally experience. they plan out their outfits for months just to go to fucking edc <laughs> yeah. dude like, and I we think had our I, outfits. We did. You about we, pacifiers and glow sticks. Yeah. <laughs> outfit, I got bro. a shoebox of that right now. I <laughs> even have an yeah. M&M plush doll That's that had beads fun. around it. I'd wear it all the time. And I had my visor that I don't want to say it's on it, but I had my signature visor. Was it plur? It said drop E with Joe E. Oh, <laughs> my God. <laughs> I'm proud of it, too, because I made That's it. And the tight. mall kiosk, the little yeah. mall kiosk at the embroider. Oh, yeah. And then, I mean, I mean, everyone's more naked now. Like back then, it's like you, it was just the it was just the hippie white girls that had pasties on. Yeah. yeah. But it was like most people just wore big fucking sweaters and overalls, and like we we were. It was like it was like let me be as comfortable as I can for my drugs. It was the <laughs> you know what I mean. That was the whole thing. <laughs> Everyone would plan out their drugs and shit instead of their outfits. This yeah. is when you guys were in uh, in high school. Yeah, I was fourteen. So how did you meet uh, Joey then? Um, mutual friends yeah. and I think all the Asians kind of knew each other back then there was like I mean you go to like when you go clubbing or whatever there's always that like, click that always shows oh, okay, up yeah, the yeah. regulars so there was yeah. like a group and the then, drug degenerate Asians that always were there that were on ILoveRaving.net yeah, yeah. <laughs> holy fucking which I don't shit, know if that website's still around but I'm pretty sure it's up dude <laughs> yeah we were on those forums like chatting and AOL rooms and stuff fucking forums dude and chat rooms man yeah those a- the aim ch- those AOL chat rooms we used to be up on there hey I know. heart 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 I can't believe being 14 years old and having like friends and taking me out and 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 just being gone for days yeah being gone for days dude i never asked anybody like how your parents felt about it or whatever because we were all like okay with like it would happen we go to people's houses and then you see like there's no parents ever either like they're out gambling or whatever yeah that's so funny yeah but i remember this one time i was we probably did like three four different kinds of drugs like like <laughs> acid e whatever oh my right god and then we were at this house, and I vi- I remember this vividly because you fucking traumatized me, Joey. Like we fucking um, this guy <laughs> gave us some weed so we can just relax, right? But there was like Prozac in the weed, and oh, yo, do you remember that? Damn. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, so, so this guy, so everyone started like oh. acting in patterns repeatedly over and over and over. Yeah, and then so. And I was on an acid trip too. I don't know if you dropped with me, but this guy had a hula hoop and he kept going whoosh, 
sh- like that. And then you know how when you throw the hula hoop and then you make it come back to you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he kept doing this. And then there was a music video. Do you remember that music video? I see you, baby. <laughs> Shaking that ass. You know that song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were repeating that over and over <laughs> and over and over. Damn, you have a good memory. Yeah. I remember the, the laced weed Prozac. but And how fucked up it made that, us. Yeah, dang. Oh, it was a traumatic experience. I thought I was trapped in this inception world you know like a dream world right yeah and then this thing was going over and over and over and i was like oh my god i am fucking trapped in a loop right now and i can't get out maybe that prozac triggered our entrepreneur mindset that day. i hope so <laughs> but they didn't fucking tell us yeah. right don't yeah. go lacing uh, your weed with prozac now that was some crazy <laughs> shit and this is when you were 14 yeah, we were like, I was 14. And then um, I think at that point, we were yeah. like, we need to get the fuck out of here, right? So I don't know what happened to you, yeah. but I was in the car with a few other guys. And, and then we were trying to get out of the neighborhood, but we couldn't get out. It was like 7 a.m. <laughs> and we just kept looping around. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm stuck in this fucking loop. <laughs> and then we finally found a Ralph's parking lot. And then they were like, I can't drive anymore. I drove too much. And it was like three hours later because we kept driving in circles in this neighborhood. <laughs> And then we fell asleep. And in afternoon, like this, this security guard knocked on our fucking glass and said, you guys got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Damn, good memory. I yeah, that was that. pretty crazy. Yeah. And then I didn't see you for like a while after that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, what, what, you, what, what ended up happening? Because one thing, you just, you just disappeared out of nowhere. And then there was a rumor that you were like a, like an eBay business mogul, which, which, <laughs> motivated me to make an ebay business but yeah what happened there um so after high school we stopped partying and then um what made you stop because you just disappeared long story i don't know if we talked about this i don't remember i don't know if i want to talk about it this is this is very deep actually i've never okay. talked about it. i don't know if i should be talking about if it you don't camera. want to it's cool it's cool i, 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 I just it was fucking yeah. no so bad yeah, it's it okay. was gang related though and i don't think we talked about this when we talked oh no i didn't know Ooh. i actually i i had to hide out uh actually no one knows about this not too many people but i had to hide out for a whole summer and after that summer i think edc and the autistic like if you go like on google images like our yeah. last raving images online like, I remember checking, like, a few months ago, it's still up, but... Oh, really? After those parties, like, Audiotistic and, um, like, a New Year's Eve yeah. event, and then I, like, things happened. Yeah. Which we didn't talk about. Yeah, we didn't talk about. But then I had to hide out for a whole summer. So that's what happened. Because yeah. I, I had no fucking... Because, you just disappeared, man. Because Rave started getting super popular with a bunch of, like... A lot of know, gangs. Thugs yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And stuff like that, and it wasn't just about, like, Raver beads and polarity. Oh, no, anymore. it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. This is before I was in the gang world, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was crazy. So, so that's I think that's one thing I've left out. But yeah, to hide out. Damn. Yeah, and then after that, I, I kind of cleaned up and and then you know got out of all the raving drug scene, etc., and focusing on graphic design. I was doing graphic design like self taught. Damn. Yeah, I remember I was I was uh like before everything started, I was I was doing like a internship, free internship, and helping um. What's his name? Nelly. Nelly's website. Nelly the rapper. Yeah, Nelly? yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, random. Super random. I remember there was a Santa Monica um, like uh, graphic design agency, and I went on online one day to apply, and 
like just looking for a job or like part-time or experience and trying to learn. And then these guys are like, yeah, we do uh, websites for celebrities, uh, for <laughs> musicians and rappers. It's like, all right, whatever. And then, um, yeah. And then I was like working on, I had no website experience. And yeah. then, but I loved, I loved like just graphic design and art, you know? And, mm-hmm. and then I was just like practicing that. And then I was working on my portfolio. Um, and then this was like, and then we graduated and I was like, shit, all my friends are going to like, universities etc and i ended up getting accepted to nowhere yeah <laughs> and then uh and then i was like all right cool i'm just gonna go to community college mm-hmm. yeah and then i ended up going doing graphic design like at santa monica college yeah. pcc gcc <clears throat> um and then um at that time you know my, my family still had the donut shops um my family was in the donut business and joe knows that yeah um that's why your name was literally donut joey yeah. that was his <laughs> name fucking tight. Donut yeah joey. so all, all anybody from sgv if you know like uncle joe's uh that was next to uh gabrielino high school at the corner there on san gabriel now it's a baseball field mm-hmm. <laughs> gabrielino you better be sorry about that <laughs> they kicked us out they kicked us out oh really? yeah, yeah 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 crazy stories like they had offered my my dad i mean he should have taken some guy came and offered my dad like x amount of money like a lot for the space because we get like two three hundred customers a day a little mom yeah. Bob, and joe remember that place yeah um because we had like a tire shop next door and gabrielino students um coming all the time and people around the community it's been there since like 80s you know yeah um but my dad never took that and he and then before we knew it, the, the school was like, oh, we're going to expand out. And we had no option. And They're just kicking you out with they, nothing. They gave us like peanuts. Damn. For that. And they, had a, they just like forced us out, you know. And and then. Well, like, they would have done that to the guy that offered your dad money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Same thing. So that yeah. guy would have been really yeah. screwed. Yeah. But all that happened. And then like, um, you know, uh, the whole story about uh, a lot of people know about this is Jonah King, which is my uncle. He went from rags to riches to rags to riches. But his whole donut story is he gambled everything away. He had a bunch of donut shops. Wait, is he like the original Cambodian donut king? He is the donut king. And oh. he has a book on Amazon called The Donut King. Really? Yeah. He's he he's uh, he's the inventor of the pink boxes for donuts. What the fuck? Wait, mm-hmm. so he's the reason why Cambodians own donut shops. Yeah, what the fuck is with Cambodians owning donut shops, man? <laughs> what the fuck is that? <laughs> it's stereotypical, but it's true. It's it it because the whole after the genocide around the nineteen seventy eight or seventy nine, forgot all the Cambodian immigrants were sponsored by I think Ronald Reagan at that time. Um, they came over to U.S. and there's no education, no English teaching yeah. like cl- classes or anything so when they came over here um like my uncle ted was one of the first ones to come to america and then uh, ronald reagan george bush or some politics he got involved in that and he got uh investment money um to to buy land and then uh build donut shops and he, he had like oh. over 200 of them around socal <clears throat> wow yeah and then um it was smart because as an entrepreneur for him he would do like a rev share and like a rental agreement. So any immigrant that would come by, he would sublease uh, the space like to any immigrant and say, hey, this is your donor shop, but you pay me your profit share and you pay me a rent every month. So, so it's kind of like That's how he became like this crazy donut guy. Damn. Um, at the same time, he also helped to like 
um, get immigrants uh, jobs at like windshields, and he helped to build windshields as well. That's, what? Yeah, it's all in his book, but it's a cra- he's got his own crazy story. Um, and and so basically, long story short, for for him, he like became this multimillion in the eighties, which is like probably like a hundred million. Yeah, and he's your like, dad's brother, or your mom's he's brother. He's my dad's side. They're it's kind of like cousin, but yeah, still yeah. blood related. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. then same last name. I so. see. Yeah, it's hard to say because like my my dad had thirteen siblings, my mom had twelve sisters. Oh, wow. oh shit! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Cambodians yeah. got down. So yeah, <laughs> that's fucking yeah, crazy. Like, we gotta put all our siblings sex. in the donut shop, so let's keep pumping them out. Guys. Dang, <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Yeah, so he 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 built up you know his donut empire, and he was a high roller in Vegas, and which was like pretty much the reason why he eventually lost everything he he like had this gambling problem oh, why the fuck does every asian person have a gambling problem i know asian yeah. asian people but i mean i have to say the Cambodian. i mean every asian like ethnicity but like cambodians like love to gamble yeah. i mean you know vietnamese and cambodians yeah, yeah. that's the a- thing asians not, are not so to hate frugal. on cambodians because i love i'm cambodian but no, that's not hate because asians asians are frugal they save everything Man. but they step in a casino and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah just it's like everything. oh this is paper Gambodia, dude. That's what Gambodia. <laughs> yeah, that's a good name for a casino. You know, before all the Chinese used to come down in the eighties, uh, Vegas catered to Japanese. Like, cause when all the companies like the yeah. uh, the, the econ- economic boom in the nineties and, yeah. and whatever, yeah. they would cater specifically to Japanese uh, high rollers. So yeah, it's yeah. like, and 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 gambling's legal in Japan. So, so they, they were having a fucking blast. Yeah, they have those pachenko machines. Yeah, yeah. So what happened? Um, what happened so, to yeah? Yeah, and then um, so, anyways, he was he was gambling, and then um, he basically gambled everything away um, in Vegas and under underground like casinos and houses and stuff. And I think there's things he didn't get into, which I'm not even aware of 100. percent But like publicly through his books, you know that he or anybody could read that he just gambled everything away and he huh. lost his houses, he lost all the donut shops, he lost everything, became homeless. <gasps> he went from, from rags, I mean, to riches, to literally rags, rags to riches. To rags, and he was sleeping on a porch. It was Fox. Uh, a bunch of news outlets did stories on him. Damn. People, yeah, actually, like recently, like some other publications, they reach out to me because they can't reach out to him. He's in Cambodia right now. He owns like thirty percent of Cambodia right now. What? what? That's that's another story. So he he owns so much land right Damn. now in Cambodia, which is very crazy. What, what, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. So he went <laughs> from in, rags to riches so, to rags so, to riches so to rags. When he was homeless, and he went, <laughs> he ended up going back to Cambodia to get into politics. Yeah. Um, he he made he had some relationships, had friends, and and then he ended up he en- he ended up buying land and things like that. Wow. So yeah, so you know we got a lot of family in Cambodia. And Cambodia is like one of the craziest, fastest growing economies right now. I, everyone's Asia. trying to go over there. Yeah. Right now. I, I had a friend who just went to Cambodia recently, and he says that there are certain parts that he thought he was in Silver Lake. Like yeah, it's crazy. Really? Yeah, because our family they like they were even. I think one of my uncles he was importing the donut machines from here to make donuts over there, and people will buy donuts for two, three dollars U.S. Wow, what which you the? think you That's know double the price. It's here. like a third world, but you go there, everyone's like on their iPhone, on their face, on Facebook. Like it's normal. Yeah, you go he, there. he was shocked. He was like, there was like very yeah. hoity-toity coffee shops. Like it's like <laughs> yeah, he's like, where the fuck am I right now? Because yeah. you know when you picture Cambodia, you picture all these beautiful temples. Well, they're, they're there. Yeah, you're thinking about um, Angkor Wat. Exactly. Yeah, but, a monkey's gonna steal my water bottle or some shit. Like <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, know? exactly. Like, yeah. But I mean, ten years ago, there's you know you got to go around with like maybe a bodyguard with a rifle. Maybe now you still do, but not. To that extent, you know, you can still you can walk more freely with your iPhone out and like yeah. checking Instagram wow. or whatever. But um, yeah, it's crazy. So he's out there and he has like he has another family out there and he's always in the news and 
Yeah, so we got a lot of family out there. In the it's crazy because like Cambodia and like Vietnam, they're going through this huge like industrial revolution right now. Crazy because all the China people are just going over yeah. there. Yeah. Everybody, every like they're facing their boom. That's kind of like the guys yeah. out here that uh, invested into Japan and Korea like right after the war. Mm-hmm. They're all rich now. I and mean, a lot of Japanese people are in Cambodia now, right now too. Yeah, they have sushi restaurants in Cambodia. They're like, investing into that fuck? boom, yeah. man. They're gonna have a boom. Yeah. Well, so well, how anyway, does that? Yeah. How did that? How does your uncle tie into all of this? Yeah. So, so basically, before he had like gone through, he lost everything. He had uh, kind of sold and give gave my dad. His my dad and him were very close. Yeah. Um, and he gave my dad or sold. I don't know. I really don't know the exact story, which I don't know if anybody would ever know. But we he gave him like maybe five donut shops in San Gabriel, and Uncle Joe's on San Gabriel, which yeah. Joe you know is one of them. We had two on San Gabriel Boulevard. The other one was Wonder Donuts, which is now Uncle Joe's now. Yeah. That's oh, operating. Yeah, the one that's down the street from the school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my dad got into that. That was, uh, 1980. He got into that. That's mm. like when, uh, my brother was born. I only have one brother and he, my brother and I, we were very involved in the donut shop since we were like four years old. So I was born in 82. Um, we had those donut shops and then my dad got involved and like day to day, never took a vacation. Um, and he worked in the donut shop for like, 18 years no vacation no days off but all and five of them how yeah. did he work all, at all five well we had we had we had a also and the way it works is like not even just us even right now till this day cambodian especially uh, cambodians who stab donut shops like let's say you have a a, a cousin a sister or uncle or aunt whatever in cambodia they bring them here and sponsor them and then put them to work in the donut shops not like as a slave labor yeah, yeah, but yeah. kind of as an opportunity <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, because so, they don't know English, so they right. they get sponsored yeah. and they have a job, work right, visa, exactly. and then they can learn English, and, and then that's a yeah. good way for them to get in, right? Yeah, exactly. And the crazy part is, like, all my relatives that came here not speaking English, they're, like, super fluent after they worked in the donut shop. See, that's, that's Which dope. is a crazy that's English dope. training program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's dope, man. Yeah, yeah. So, so my, yeah, um, my dad was, you know, his, his siblings were involved in other donut shops, and he, he was actually always station and he baked every night mm. at uncle joe's and my mom worked um everybody in Gabriel pretty much knows my mom we go to the market they know her because uh-huh. she was the lady that was there mm. chatting for hours you know and then um but yeah they would put me there like five five years old i was i was like drinking my hot chocolate coffee counting money in the morning like we'd have lines like at 5 a.m you know damn because that was a spot like san gabriel Boulevard was like it was crazy traffic and then you have the kids after school and yeah and then when i worked there i, I did some interesting things and <laughs> A lot of community building. Yeah, a lot of community building. Yeah, but you back then it's like you could get your donut and weed from Joey. <laughs> that's tight. <laughs> Since the last part, let's yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. Like especially like donuts now have changed so much. Yeah, it's, it's not just like the regular classic donut now. People are doing crazy shit to that stuff. Yeah, and like when when because that's the thing about donut shops because when by the time I would go to the donut shop, it was slow, but in the fucking morning, like five a.m. Oh, yeah. Hella busy, dude. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody's grabbing donuts, right? Yeah. And it like, tastes crazy. different. I think the donut gets worse as the time goes. Like, and you got to get the freshest it gets, one. It's like very gimmicky now. And, yeah, yeah. And not clowning on my relatives out there who are doing like all that crazy stuff with yeah, donuts. Yeah. But yeah, back then, actually, when my my dad he had one creation, and I don't know if you ever ate this, Joe, but he would take, and I don't know if you could call it a donut, but people he was famous for that. Uh, he'd take the tortilla and then he'd put blueberry or apple, mm. and then he'd wrap it up. And you deep fry it, and then he glaze it like a glazed donut. What? And then he was known for his apple and blueberry burritos. 
What? And this was in this was in the eighties. Like this is like considered you know like yeah. unicorn food like today. Yeah. But yeah, it was actually it's actually really good. And I don't think anyone does that. I mean, someone might take this idea. But. Oh, they probably will. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen people deep fry so. the tortilla with cinnamon. Yeah, and but it was they, cool. They do it like that. Yeah, but yeah. He, that was his like invention. People, but wow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, my my dad was my parents were in that for like eighteen years, and and then uh, when I was you know I was doing my graphic design thing. This is how it kind of ties in. Is um, you know I was ready to go to art center and and then um, submit my portfolio and things like that. And one thing that happened, um, somebody stole my zip disc, which I was pretty stupid. I had a, I had a couple of zip discs that I had a lot of my artwork on because at that time it wasn't like you know, MacBooks and stuff, yeah. whatever. Um, and uh, some of my good work was on there. So it was kind of discouraging. That was one thing which led me to eventually do entrepreneurial stuff. And then my dad had gone through the same thing as Ted, um, our uncle Ted, and he, he gaveled and went through all these crazy mm. things and 18 years of saving. Phew, God damn it, man. <laughs> my, and my mom never took a vacation, you know, which was yeah. really sad. And to me, I was like, Oh damn. So we went through some, some, how did ha- you guys find out hard times? Man, because he must have hit it. This is another podcast <laughs> session for sure. But I could tell you, like, you know, and and my dad, he watches Facebook now, so maybe this will be on Facebook. But um, he, this is might be the first time I admit that I knew everything that he did, and I I would follow him. He oh, would go to like fuck. underground gambling houses. He had girlfriends wow, and whatever. Fuck. You know, we knew You're about that. I never called them out. You know, well, and well, why did you? We would we follow, would follow him, him, like tailgate him, and he you would. And your wow. Yeah, it was, and then these gambling houses were in San Gabriel. Oh, they're going to go raid, raid them. Yeah. No, I don't think they exist because yeah. I've passed by them in San Gabriel. Like yeah. Next to Focus Plaza used to be one. Oh, a bunch of white people living there. Yeah, dude, it was crazy. There's like underground Cambodian like gambling things Damn. there with like, you know, girls and whatever. I don't even know. I never went in, but um, yeah, he was involved in that. And, and then like, I think that's where he like gambled everything away. And I don't even know. Maybe he met somebody and... Who knows how far that got, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Anyone, can, anyone can speculate. But um, it got to the point where basically he, he gambled everything away except for our house. And so he even went into the, the save, savings box and, and boom, so depleted. When, when were you 18 like, years. And, and think about it. Like I told you, three, four, th- you can calculate it. Three, four, five hundred people a day at even one donut shop spending two, three dollars just in the morning. 18 years. You could do the math. Yeah. yeah. It's millions. That's millions. Yeah. He gambled millions. away millions. Yeah. That they were supposed to retire. So my mom, I mean, my mom, my mom is so humble in the sense where like they came with, they came from nothing. Yeah. They built up all this stuff. We were able to get a house to live in, have food on the table, which I'm very appreciative and we're thankful for that. And I mean, even though they lost all their savings, we still have a house and et cetera. And I was like, shit, like I'm about to go to art school. What do I do? And I like, at that time, actually, I was also a professional video gamer. I was playing Street Fighter. Oh shit! Beta testing Counter Strike for Valve. This was like ninety six. Damn. Yeah, I was beta, t- beta testing since like ninety eight with them, and then this is when Counter Strike was like you could do like bunny hopping. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember yeah, those yeah. days. Yeah, and then I was playing Cal, and and then you know I had a bunch of clans, and and I was trying to make money. I was starting to do that, and I made money from that and giving that to my parents. Uh, when I found out, then we kicked our dad out of the house. My parents split up, mm. and it was just a crazy time. People go through this, you know. Yeah. This is a life thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. Life experience, and then. Um, I was like, shit, I got to really hustle, you know? So I was doing the tournaments, um, and then I was like, dang. It's gotta- crazy how you're doing video games. Like, instead of going to get a regular job, you're like, I got to play video games harder. During yeah. a time when video games did not pay well. No, at that time, there's no esports. Like, yeah, I think there's no esports. I was probably a professional esports player at that time. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was probably like 100 people in that community. I know. Yeah. And this was 2000, like, this was like four, three, something yeah, like that. This yeah, this is like 2000. 
2002, 2000. Yeah. Yeah. I was playing games since 98, but 96. Well, ever since I was like five years old, Nintendo, but like Street Fighter competitively since 98, 99. Yeah. um, And then I had a bunch of college books and I was like, oh, and that time they had half.com. Which I don't know if you guys remember oh, that. Yeah, Half.com, yeah. which was owned by eBay. Yeah. Uh, they had eBay and Amazon was like losing money at that time. Is Half.com still around? No. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah, you're like, damn. Yeah. I sell some books on yeah, there. I was like, okay, I still got some old ass books, bro. <laughs> yeah, but dang, you know, I I think if I, I had a lot of um, uh, opportunities and, and revenue channels, I guess you can call them. Um, but I went on Half.com and I had like, you know, you have your like general studies, whatever they call them. Yeah. Um, at Santa Monica and, 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 uh, there was even a local bookstore there in, in Santa as near SMC that like I would buy books online and I do like two way trading in a way. Right. Yeah. Um, and I buy them and, and I'd sell them for like, obviously as a profit, if I buy it for 50, I buy sell for 65 or whatever. And I started doing that and online I was selling it. And then next thing I know, I was like, shit, what else do I find around the house to sell? That's how I got into eBay too. Yeah. 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 We've, we've talked about that. Like, yeah. and I was like, shit, like, uh, at that time I had a girlfriend and her sister, uh, for some reason had thousands of prenatal vitamins that weren't expired. And, and then she had like porcelain dolls and things like that. And I sold all those things. I just listed them on eBay, wherever I could, I put them on. So my, my use books, um, like whatever's around the house, yeah. put those online. Um, and then, you know, I was like, shit, you know, I'm starting to like make some money and, and give my parents, you know, some money from that. And then yeah. at that same time, I, was like, I still need to make some money. And then I ended up applying for my first and only corporate job, which I worked at Blockbuster Video. Tight. Rest <laughs> in peace. R.I.P. Well-deserved. I know, right? <laughs> Damn, this podcast is brought to you by Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audio books and audio entertainment, including Audible Originals. Audible Originals are stories created exclusively for audio, including documentaries, exclusive audiobooks, and scripted shows that you cannot hear anywhere else. You can listen to this at the gym, while shopping, in the car, traveling, and basically anytime you can't read, you can listen with Audible. Currently, the book that I am on is The Game of Desire by Shannon Budrum. Shannon Budrum is an amazing woman, specifically when it comes to that game of dating and getting things that you want out of these relationships and these dating situations. Now, I'm not dating, but it's still a fascinating book and it's something that I like to dibble dabble in. So shout out to Shannon and shout out to Audible for that wonderful, wonderful listen. So, Check it out, my friends, okay? So, with Audible, for my listeners, I'm going to give y'all something a little special, 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 right? So, you can start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Just visit audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500-500. Once again, start listening you can start listening. Start listening, all right, to a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Visit audible.com slash GB or text GB to 500-500 and get to listening today. Yeah, yeah. And then um, it was uh, the Blockbuster on Lake Avenue in Pasadena. And I remember that, like, so I had my my polo that I wore every day and and then I, I worked there only for six months. And I mean, 
Um, it was a good experience. And basically, I worked there, became the number one salesperson of the Pirates Caribbean DVD. Okay. Um, Joe's heard this story many times, but David, I don't think you know the whole story. I so, did not. Yeah. So, um, it's a good story, too. Thank you. Um, and so I, I became the number one salesperson just as a cashier. You know, I, I don't know if you ever worked at any like um, corporate retail. Yeah, men's warehouse, Macy's. Do they make you go through like a ten step checkout process if you work the POS or like? Yeah, well, we had, yeah we had a I don't know ten step, but we had a whole checkout thing before we. Yeah, yeah like oh hey how you doing? Mm-hmm. Did you find everything okay? Yeah, like yeah, so I had to do that right. But I ended up always selling Pirates Caribbean DVD, and I was they said I was the number one seller in SoCal. What the fuck? For selling so many. Yeah. You know, because almost every customer, I'd get them to, to subscribe or whatever you call that and buy it or yeah. or sell like a, a subscription card, whatever they were selling at that time. And they would never get commission. And then at the same time, when I first started, I had to clean the bathroom for like two weeks. And, and, and I was like, I signed up for a cashier job. Yeah. Not a janitorial, you know? Yeah. And I told myself, I was like, okay, number one, if... If I had a salesperson or if I had people that worked hard, I would compensate them properly. Yeah. You should in a yeah. proper company. And then I wouldn't make someone who signed up for a cashier to go clean the bathroom. They have, that's yeah. why they have janitors and custodians, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that happened and I kind of got like pissed at that. You know, and it's hard for me. And then people, people who know me, it's hard for me to get me, get me angry about yeah. something. I've never seen you angry for all the years <laughs> that I've, yeah. yeah. So, you, no matter if you, even when you get scammed and fucked over, you don't get angry. Ecstasy is in his blood. That's yeah. why. Slurry yeah. <laughs> forever, everybody. <laughs> even when he's telling me Pirates Caribbean DVD, Flair. <laughs> he's, he's telling me stories of how he got fucked over and he's smiling about it. And I'm yeah. like, what's going on, man? <laughs> um, so, so I was like, all right, screw this. And then, um, you know, at the time I was selling on eBay. So while I'm hustling, I was there. I would, they would put me to work all the time, which was cool. I got hours or whatever, you know, and I wanted to work towards manager. And they started me putting on the floor. They put me on the floor to like rearrange stuff. And then at that time, they, um, they were selling previously viewed DVDs. And those are like, let's say, Lord of the Ring, Twin Towers. Mm-hmm. Those, they go up for 25 at that time. That's what DVDs went for. And then they'd sell them for like six bucks. Yeah. So, you know, I started to think I had a friend that made DVD cases. And then, and I was selling on half. And I was like, "Oh shit, maybe I can sell DVDs." And then I'd take, I'd, I'd buy all the stock they had at that time. They had uh, there was a few movies. Mainly, it was the Lord of the Rings that I bought, and I bought like hundreds of them. Yeah, I'd package them. I bought a heat sealer on eBay. I'd repackage them brand new, and boom, put them on on half dot com on Amazon for brand new. And I would sell. I sold all of them at twenty five, thirty bucks. Wow! And there was a big drought of of Lord of the Rings at that time, which yeah. I could like. It was like that. It's similar to like if you're slanging E and yeah, when it was five bucks, now it's out. You sell for forty dollars a yep. pill, you know. And I took that philosophy. So I give credit to you know at the times where people consider like, oh, raving drugs are bad, but those are all life experience that I took with me, right? Me so too. I, right. So from <laughs> the first stage of raving and all that. <laughs> And then going into to this business world, yeah, and then applying that to my e-commerce, and then, yeah, and then the next thing I knew, like six months into my job, the regional manager, they're like, oh hey, they um they want to meet you tomorrow. I was like, all right, cool, probably get a promotion, you know, probably become manager. Yeah, and then went to the went to the room, and she was like, what are all these transactions? I was like, oh, I just bought it for families and friends, and and the next day, I just I called the manager. I was like, hey, I'm out, and I didn't show up. And then, wow, yeah, I was like, all right, shit, what do I do? I applied another job, applied to like Petco. Why did you decide to quit? Did you 
feel weird about yeah it was awkward after that because then people were like dude this guy's doing something crazy shady Some shady yeah yeah but i mean i bought them straight out though i wasn't like taking six dollar dvds i was just like buying them but i was yeah you know, yeah i could do whatever i want with them right that's true but it was the same title over and over so yeah yeah yeah. yeah. anyways but yeah it was cool and i learned all like shit what else can i sell what else should i do and i try to apply to other like jaws petco and like everywhere yeah um i think like osh home depot I tried, and i didn't get a job like whatever screw this so i started to like expand my online thing and at you know i was still playing street fighter or whatever so i went online um bought a ps2 controller and this was like that controller is like i think what launched my business career and it was a five dollar blue transparent blue ps2 oh, yeah. controller yeah, yeah. you know I remember it looks those. like a sony controller they call them in china one-to-one e by e but 100 yeah. percent like the sony no sony logo i was like ah oh, cool it's like official and i play it's like oh this is junk you know so yeah went back online sold it for 20 bucks i was like i was put at 20 sold for 20 you sold it for more yeah sold for it was five sold for 20 bucks Whoa. and then i remember the seller his name was cat from mars and then uh he was from florida there was a bunch of asian guys like i think from hong kong or china and they lived in florida and they were doing trading whatever and i didn't know i don't know anything about wholesale or anything like that yeah so i went to him and he had a he he had a bunch of packages like like three controllers and a multi-tab. You guys remember what multi-tabs mm-hmm. are? Where yeah. You plug four controllers. Yeah, that, 20 bucks. So three controllers and that for 20 bucks free shipping. I was like, damn, what a deal. So I bought that. And then it's like, damn, this is junk. Went back online, 20 bucks each. I separated it. So basically $20 spend. <laughs> I'm, and then I made 80, and I sold for 80 bucks. So it's yeah. like $60 profit. I was like, shit. Went back. Whatever money I had from Blockbuster was like five, six hundred bucks, seven hundred something exactly. And then boom, you just would just like, resell the products yeah. that they were selling on eBay. Yeah, and then I started doing a lot of research on eBay. Wow. Like, so I realized every seller had like four, five, six, seven accounts, and I went to all the accounts, bought all his inventory, resold everything, and started competing with them. I was like, all right, cool. I'll open. So you're competing by buying their own products and yeah. reselling it for a higher price. Yeah. How the fuck did you do that? <laughs> I don't know what I was doing, but it worked, you know? So, wow. Yeah, which is crazy. So Because so people could have got the same controller for yeah, a cheaper any, price. Anybody could could do that. But at that time, eBay, and I think, Joe, you've had experience at eBay. Like, at that time, 2004 to 2007, eight. it was a, like, a, I think that was eBay's prime time. Yeah, where it was. You've, you yeah. get anything for a lower cost, you can actually still make money from Alibaba yep. or wherever. Yep. Now it's like you make pennies, right? Yeah. yeah. At that but, time. Oh, man, I was making like 60, 80% margins. Exactly. Yeah. Back then I was like, damn, dude, what else can I sell? What else can I sell? Yeah. Right? That's how like people like got into their crazy manufacturing business because of those eBay days. Uh-huh. But, like, like uh, you know, Evike, the, the yeah. Airsoft. Yeah. They remember I had a, a Airsoft company back then too. And they remember my shit. And then, um, yeah, I got taken out. Are they out. still around? No, they're they're around. Do they they're do, huge they do now. pocket bikes? No. No, E-Vike, oh. e, e, e E-Vike, not E-Bike. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They're an airsoft company. But yeah, they're old school eBay too. Yeah. A lot of these companies. A lot yeah, of, all yeah. the old school eBay yeah. now have like crazy warehouses. Yeah. And, you know, and it came from eBay. So anyways, um, yeah. And, and, and so I started like, I opened up some other accounts um, and then just like expanded my inventory. So whatever those guys carried, PS2 extension cables, dance pads and then dance pads is where i really like expanded my company dance Dance revolution ddr oh, all the nah, ddr fans that shit dude yeah yeah so um we expanded everything and then i was like shit i need to like lower my prices to get more mark like you know increase my profit margin so i was googling different wholesalers in in san Gabriel valley or socal la there's a bunch of walnut and city industry um, contacted them, set up accounts, and then started buying a bunch from them. And I stopped buying from the online sellers because I realized 
that I'm getting ripped off. Yeah. Even though it's, I'm making so much money, then I realize I'm getting like, and then I'm buying stuff at 50% even less now from yeah. local sellers. And I'm like cleaning them out. Yeah. yeah. I have like three, four different accounts, different names yeah. because it's a, it was a good strategy because once people were like, let's say you go to Amazon, you don't buy from Amazon, but you'll go to Target, right? It was that same concept. Like yeah. I was like, I had my Amazon, my Target, et cetera, but I'm still going to the same bank account, same yeah. company. With different, yeah, on just the different, different platforms. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. You know? See, that's genius. I never did that. Yeah. They still yeah. do that on Amazon with electronics. Like, oh, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah. And they fucking get my ass every time. Yeah. It's all, it's all different brands, but the same company. It's so funny because there was this, there was a specific charger that I liked, um, like a portable charger <laughs> that had a wall plug in, but it had six different cords attached to it. And it just suddenly just disappeared, went out of stock. And then I saw another, it's, I popped up again, but a different company name. I was like, oh, that's the same. Oh, whatever. I'll still buy it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I just bought it twice over, dude. It's smart. Yeah. 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 But that's how they get you, man. Yeah. So, had a bunch of accounts, and then um, after the after wholesalers, I was like, shit, I got to continue to cut the cost. So I went to Alibaba one day, um, and then I just, like, Googled all the stuff that was selling like crazy. And our number one item actually ended up being DDR dance pads, like foam ones, thin ones, uh, metal dance pads that were sold Damn. at Fry's Electronics. Mm. Um, and so what happened was I found this guy. I did a lot of, I did a lot of digging. Um, he's still in the gaming business, but just some random guy that was on Alibaba and he was like, oh, I make them. And here's the price. Like, damn, is that really the price? It was like 30 bucks and I'd sell dance pads for 200. The metal wow. ones. Wow. Yeah. And then, and cause we would buy pallets of them. And, and, and then what, what happened was uh, we ended up just sending this guy all this money. Um, and then from the first year I went from that four, five, six, seven hundred to like two, three million dollars just shipping thousands of packages a day by myself, me and my brother. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. I'd wake man. up in the morning, I have 30,000 in my PayPal account every day. How old were you at this time? This was, I was 20, 21. 22. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. That so is fucking crazy, I didn't know what to do. man. Yeah. And my brother, you know, he went to business school or whatever. And I only oh. have one brother. And I was like, all right, cool. You come and help me like just part time. And then he ended up quitting his like corporate jobs or whatever. Yeah, I would have too. <laughs> yeah. And then he was just helping me because I didn't know what to do with the finance stuff. I was just getting a bunch of money to know what to do. Right. And then I was like, shit. It just felt casual to me. I was like, oh shit, I have 500, now I have 10, now I have 20, I have 50,000, 100,000. And I was like, damn, what do I do? You know? Um, I, I, it's crazy because what I, um, you know, you inspired me to do eBay because uh, we would hear a rumor about you and be like, you know, you know, Joey made it, right? And we're like, what? <laughs> yeah, I heard he made like $100,000 last year. And we're like, what? <laughs> And then I hear, no, Joey made a million dollars last year. And they're like, what? They're like, no, no, no. Joey made only 700000 And then, like, people were saying, like, our mutual friends, you know. And then, like, I hear again, Joey's a millionaire. Joey made $2 million. Joey this. I'm like, who's? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Joey in a while. But I'm, like, thinking, well, I know Joey. And we did drugs. <laughs> he ain't doing shit. I'm like, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> He's probably rolling in the room right now with the, with the PS2 controller lit up. Oh, that's fucking funny. But it, 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 it was also something like I was always interested in eBay, man. Yeah. But to just know that someone I knew fucking made it on eBay gave me the courage to just fucking try it, dude. Yeah, and you did it. I, not at your level, bro, but that was my first step into business, too. Yeah. Similar story. But yeah, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Well, how did you get into the gaming thing then? Like what you're, what you have now? Because you you said yeah, so it's it'll transition into like manufacturing. So, so basically, um, you know, we started selling a lot, and and then buying. We we sent money to this guy on on, on uh, Alibaba, and then he ended up send, sending us metal dance pads. And I started. I took a step back from e-commerce. I trained all my friends to sell on eBay. 
Um, and then they all became somewhat successful on eBay too and, and ran their own stores. Uh, then we started wholesaling to retailers like Fry's Electronics. What the et cetera. fuck? And then, yeah, so we supplied like all those retailers with these metal dance pads and stuff. You ever went to Fry's and they had an yes. arcade machine? Yeah. Yeah, we sold all those. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 started from eBay, you know. And then eBay at that time also they're like, damn, because I, I all my accounts were power seller accounts, right? And you if you guys know what power seller is, like you know you maintain a good feedback, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, etc. And then they actually uh, invited me to like eBay like office to like come and coach and consult, but I like denied doing that because mm-hmm. I just wanted to continue my business. And then um, my brother and I after the first year we had our first warehouse. Uh, in Monrovia, that was like 2,000 square feet. We'd always like max it out. We got our first container after sending that guy that money um, blind. That was like kind of like a Hail Mary, you know? I sent him all the money. If I get the stuff, boom, you know, we're going to make it, right? Like we're going to double our profits or triple or quadruple. And then he kept sending us stuff. We, we, set, we set up a relationship. Um, and then 2006 at E3 Expo, if you guys know what that is, mm-hmm. uh, we had our first trade show. At that time, I imported these... Um, uh, game projectors that play PS2 or GameCube, Xbox on the wall. It projects uh, your 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 game console 80 inches on the wall. Wow. Yeah, and I told people I was the inventor of that. Right? Fucking <laughs> 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 job. Yeah, That's but at that time I imported everything. They had at that time iPod was like becoming super hot. Like, yeah. And then like, but and, you were the only importer of it. So then you didn't, you know, someone else wasn't going to be like, nah, man. Yeah. Well, somebody came. So, so this is the, this is when I like really blew up, like in my entrepreneurial career is the guy that actually invented it, which he helped Nintendo bring Super Mario to the global market. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't say his name, but he's famous. Um, he's a Taiwanese guy. He passed by my booth with, with our other partner, who's a government official now in, in China that we partnered with um he walked by he was like hey where'd you get that i was like oh the projector's like yeah oh it's my product i invented it you want to buy he's like he's like here's my card this is my product i made this product whoa yeah and then and then he's like if you come to china um give me a call (laughs) i love how he wasn't offended that's like so chinese he's (laughs) a great crazy like humble like tai chi taiwanese dude very very famous guy that in video game industry people everybody knows this Mm. guy um, that's amazing He's yeah like, hey, just to cr- let you know guy i stole it too so <laughs> yeah you know yeah. I, I, I can't get mad at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah i stole it from other guys yeah, I stole but it from long story short i was actually buying from his uh, our china partner his one of his best friends that was ah. selling it so that's how they're all linked up those guys didn't sell they're like big shots you know so anyways i never went to china ended up booking a flight me and my brother we took uh one of my brother's friends uh an indian guy and then another um, Shanghainese guy with us. And then we claimed that to like, to, they were our like staff, you know? We yeah. Were, we were just like fronting, faking yeah, to yeah. make that kind of thing, you know? Oh my God. That's so, so we, funny. we ended up going to China, visiting all of our vendors. This is Gurdjieff. He is our manager, <laughs> warehouse manager. I uh, know. <laughs> So he speaks perfect English too. Yeah, he's like, like Joey, I perfect don't have an Indian English. accent, dude. Yeah, they thought so. They actually thought well, one night when we had, uh, well, okay, so we went to China. Wait, did they all speak English? Like, how did this go down? Yeah, everybody speaks English oh, except okay. for our Chinese partner. Oh, like okay. the, the those guys don't speak any English at all. Damn, not even one word except for like hello. So you did know. you have to have a translator there or did no. you have to well, learn Chinese? So, 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 so the Taiwanese guy, uh, which was my mentor, he, he actually spoke fluent English. He actually was a PhD student in Notre Dame. So. Oh, God dang. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So we ended up going to China, visiting all the vendors, and we made our last stop to um, uh, 
in Shenzhen area, which which they had their factory there, right next to Foxconn. Um, and it was an area called Longhua. So, anyways, we go there, we meet him. He's like, "Whoa, you actually made it!" We, go, you know, in China, if you will know, David, I don't know if you've been to China and been to these kind of dinners or Joe, but you go to China, they take you to round table, order like twenty, thirty dishes, waste all that food, which is sad. But and they make you drink a bunch of like baijiu rice wine. Um, so I never did business in China like yeah, that. No. Yeah, but this is like every day, and I live this life. Like we'll get into that in a little bit, but um, we uh, we drank and we went to you know sing karaoke and do all the China things they yeah. do out there in China, and then spent like a week with him, and he was like, "Hey, you know, like well, I think we could partner up and do something." I was like, "Wow, really? Okay." And then next thing I know, we had joint ventures, opened up two factories together. What? The yeah, fuck? and then um, 2008, I launched my first uh, video game console. Uh, I mean, I we got the original chipsets uh, that was used in like NES, SNES consoles, mm-hmm. and we launched our first game console, 2008, called the Retro Duo, which is my invention. Um, and then I know that. Yeah, you can find it on Amazon. That's or, fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's then like all the games in you one. can find. Yeah. It, I mean, people go on Wikipedia like, oh, and then yeah. Anyways, but um, we that was our first game console, and then we just started expanding. Um, I came up with my own um, uh, video game uh, brands, and then um, we just started, I guess, like private labeling. Um, and then 2009, they're like, "Hey, you know, you, we really need you out here in China." Like, I was living, uh, I was tra- flying back between um, LA and in, in China, and then I was like, it, it wasn't efficient. So 2009, yeah. I. So like, so why was why would they need you there? Because you're supposed to be a part uh, in charge of the American side, right? Yeah. So we had our we had our warehouse. We moved where we've gone through like five warehouses in like the past over 15 years. You know, we kept moving. But my brother was he was like, he's a CEO, and he like was able to manage everything. And I'm more of like the product developer or mm. like uh, vendor relations. I and I set up all relationships. I did all the licenses and things like that. And we've worked with we work with crazy licenses now, which I can get into at the very end, but. Um, yeah, so 2009, um, they're, they're like, my brother was like, shit, dude, should I move out there? Like, damn, this is a big move. You know, I'm moving my whole life. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. And then I ended up, I ended up going out there, uh, lived in a hotel in, in Kowloon side for three weeks. Didn't know what I was doing yet. Uh, had no office, no staff, nothing. And, um, we ended up like, I was my job to open up the trading offices, the China offices. And then, uh, within like two years, we ended up having like 400 something people, I opened up my my Hong Kong office. I had my trading offices in, wow. in China border, um, and I was like drinking like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh, God. every day, uh, lunchtime, baijiu, like full bottle. Go to China, drink again, um, and then I had. In, if people know Hong Kong, like LKF in Long Kwai Fong, there's like it's kind of like mini Vegas. So yeah. I'd party in China, not party. Well, do my business in China, come back for dinner. Um, drink again and i'd party at night with like friends and that being in that scene it was kind of like the raving scene yeah but in the club atmosphere yeah. and you'd see the regular people you drink till six or seven in the morning and then i'd go straight to china again and i didn't like to stay in china because of the vibe so people are like oh you always commute because it takes two hours to get me to the factory and two hours back so i'd commute four hours a day and i did this for five six years when i was in china so that's fucking crazy dude yeah so you like living in hong kong yeah. And then, but you were, you had to work in China. Yeah. So yeah. I would, I would live, I would live in China, which is like, like on the island side. And I'd, I'd take a car and go straight to China. It was like my normal routine, four hour commute every day. Why? 
and the smartphones just, weren't around back then. You must have been bored as shit, bro. <laughs> what did you do? No, I did, no, we had smartphones, but I actually yeah. had I had, a, I had a desk in my van that I like built so I could work, and I that's how I learned to be very efficient and like oh. just managing my time because like four hours commute is such a waste of time. It and is. I, I actually had a desk that I put a laptop there, and I'd man, work there. I'd fucking be listening yeah. to podcasts. I'd be looking <laughs> out and like seeing the trees and thinking, how do they get so green and shit? <laughs> Damn, dude, I've never felt like such a piece of shit in my whole life. <laughs> I'm like the most laziest human being ever, man. Like, if I find a time to take a rest, I take that opportunity to the max. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm gonna fucking rest, guys. I know my mind kept working, you know, and and my mind works, but my body doesn't. <laughs> yeah, now now as we get older, man, I try to stay fast. What I am, I'm like sleeping with my kids. But oh my god, dude. Yeah. You're like breaking stereotypes of the lazy Cambodian, dude. Yeah, don't don't do the chef over here, dude. Because that's because like he's part Chinese. That's why. Yeah, chu chow, chu chow people. Okay, that makes sense. Then. <laughs> um, so what else? What else? Yeah. So so yeah, you were working in China, going back and forth, commuting, commuting for five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at that time, also, I was um, other things that I was doing. Um, 2000, I mean, I grew up ever since, um, I, I grew up in San Marino and we grew up with a core group of fan, friends and, um, you know, some friends that I was still in touch with, like into college or after high school, they're like, Oh, Hey, you're traveling all the time. You got to start like a blog, you know? And at that time, I, the Eli from Food Beast had started a food blog mm. at that time. And I started a blog called, uh, what's in my lunchbox. I'm hungry. Mm. Um, and then I would, it was a Tumblr blog and it was wow, like, that's old school food blogging, dude. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. At that yeah. time you post your finger and you get 30,000 likes. Yeah. <laughs> that was like an influencer wasn't even a term back then, you know? Uh, yeah. So there was literally like 20 foodies on, on Instagram yeah. at max. And then, you know, I carried that along and I didn't think anything of it. And yeah. today now it's a whole different story. And that's how I got into the food side of things too. But, um, so, you know, I, I continued that blog. I had that Tumblr blog. And then there was a couple sites. I forgot the names, but uh, they were paying me for my my food photos. And then they had deliverables for me. I was like, you got to come up with like three to 500 photos, but we'll still pay you this. I was like, damn, it was a hobby. I enjoyed it, but it started to become like a crazy job. So I was like, all right, screw it. But I continued my blog and then opened up the Instagram. And then I ended up like, that became its own organic business. You know, people paying for sponsored posts. Um, and then I created this like, uh, what I have today, which is in addition to what, when I was doing the video and stuff, I had this top food news, Instagram account thing, uh, open up like hundreds of accounts running that. And then that was like a hobby Damn. You know? just to like promote like food. His work is hobby. Like, that's a business. You, that's a whole ass business. That was, someone, that's a, it is a business. It but is I mean, a business. If, like when you're passionate about being an entrepreneur though, like that is your hobby too. Yeah. Well, this is like yeah. the stuff that we talk about that where I just, I feel like a lot of people want to be in your shoes, but they don't, they don't know how to think like that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you're, you're somebody who's very like, you do something and then you could also see the opportunity in what you're doing and right. take it to the next level. Yeah. Cause a lot of times people go through and they, they, they think that they have these entrepreneurial ideas, right? <laughs> but it's not, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, yeah. And then they always fall flat on their, on their face, but they also don't realize like the type of mentality that it takes to look at something and say, Oh, there's opportunity in this and I could right. take it somewhere. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cause your mind is always working. It is as much as I want to shut it off. And, and I think, um, to the point that you're that you're making like it's okay to fail you know yeah. I've failed so many times that people don't even know where I failed because it <laughs> looks like I'm always successful yeah you know but I could talk about I could probably write a book about failures but all those failures and mistakes brought me to where I am today which I'm probably still failing a lot of things but you gotta try it right and you took a lot of like leaps 
of faith, Crazy. which is fucking frightening to me. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah. Because like yeah. somebody comes up, and like, hey, come to China. You're like, all right, let me get my Indian friend. Let me get my other yeah. Friend. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm headed. You know? Yeah, yeah. And the crazy part is, you know, drinking all the time and being in China. There's all that fake alcohol and everything. Yeah. And situations and, yeah. and Joe knows, and we've talked about it on the podcast. But I had health issues too that. You know, the dark side of entrepreneurship, the dark you know? side yeah. of entrepreneurship, you know, you got to it, it's funny because in China, people think it's like, oh, China has so much money and you go there, you can make a bunch of money. It's just like when people are in Asia, they come to America, they're like, oh, I come to America. I'm going to make so much money so fast. But yeah, you got to make crazy sacrifices. And I'm talking about not time, but your health sacrifice to make yeah. it in China anywhere. But why are, is it like like disrespectful? Or you just can't hang if they go if you go like, I can't drink, bro. They'll be like, nah. You're so drinking, motherfucker. That's anything the in Japan first impression, yeah. the first time you ever drink with anybody, and this is a tip to everyone, you ho- you want to make it either seem one, you you have an allergy to alcohol, or uh, two, you just show like crazy sickness if you touch any alcohol. Because the Cause minute I, that's what I actually have, though. I have that. Yeah, they'll understand. Like, if the first time you meet somebody and they're a China businessman, yeah. if you end up even taking a shot and you seem okay, that already set the tone yeah. for the rest of your life with that business oh. relationship. You know what I would do? So, like, whenever I had to talk to people where this would happen, because Korean people drink all the fucking time. Yeah. I take the fucking shot and I chase it, right? But I don't, I'm not chasing. I'm actually spitting, spitting the drink back in. <laughs> Dog, I did that so fucking much. How did yeah. you do that? It's it's people do that all the time. I yeah. just I'll just puke in front of them on my fucking fried rice plate. Yeah, they don't care if you puke. They'll make you drink oh, again. Yeah, they don't God give a damn. fuck, man. They so don't give. A I fuck. kept on doing the fake chaser thing because it because yeah. I could take like six or seven drinks. Yeah, but once it gets to eight. Nine, ten, eleven. I'm <laughs> fucked. Yeah. You know, and then I'm still trying to talk to these people. So that's like, the most important. You have to be able to be coherent and yeah. speak fluently and just uh, or else they go. This guy can't hang because he's a bitch. Exactly. And so yeah. we don't want to do business with him because what if he was with another partner we have? Mm-hmm. And that's like it. In, I guess I moved up in ranking, so I ended up in my last couple of years. We were always with government officials in the room wow and you have like name tags like people don't see this on tv but dude it's so crazy. You're, you're a part of the secret chinese government <laughs> fucking dealings man that's some crazy shit but dude. yeah you'll be with the local people with name tags and then like the way this is a strategy and i think if anybody out there uh is gonna drink with government officials you don't make them drink their local alcohol which is that rice wine which is water to them you make them drink like whiskey vsop mm. so we'd have big whiskey bottles because they're not used to it Exactly, and then we'd give them one. We we'd all have to take full shot of wine glass filled with whiskey in one shot. You motherfuckers are crazy, dude! I can't do that. And you do that two or three, and they'd be out, and then you're good for the rest of the night. And that was always the strategy. That's smart, man. Yeah, that's fucking smart. You guys, your team would plan this. We would always plan it, and we'd get we'd make sure like our drivers and our bodyguards or whatever would buy the whiskey bottles ahead of time for dinner instead of bringing the rice wine because a lot of times those guys will come bring like cases of rice wine and you drink all night but we just bring two three bottles and we're done yeah yeah but you know all that like i had gone through all that drinking and everything and i paid the price um and then one day i think this is kind of like when my mentality changed um, I mean, my mentality is always constantly changing for the better, but, um, I had a health issue and Joe, Joe and I talked about this before too, is, uh, I had like a minor heart issue and that was because of all my partying and drinking. And then one day, so basically long story short about my heart issue, um, I, I, I went out drinking one day and then like, it was like just constant. I never took a break, you know? And then one day I think it just finally caught up to me. I was walking the border um in china and then i was like sweating and 
getting cold sweat and I crossed the border. And when I went to the office, everyone was like, oh, your face is like pale. Are you all right? I was like, yeah, I feel fine. And then next thing I knew, like I couldn't breathe. And then I was like feeling like my whole like body was numb. And then I was like, damn, I was tripping out, you know? And I wasn't like, I would, I didn't take drugs when I was over there, but mm-hmm. I would just drink all the time. But it was just like lack of sleep, et cetera. Just all caught up, you know? Yeah. No exercise. My exercise bad was- Bad food. Yeah, b- yeah, bad food. And then like I was- I, my exercise was like dancing at the club, you know. <laughs> Should have <laughs> danced I, more, bro. I, I, people, so my signature in, in Hong Kong nightlife was my towel in my pocket because people know I sweat so much oh, that's that I'd always have a towel on me or two to just wipe all my sweat. And by the end of the night, my whole pants would be wet because my my towel that I put in my pocket Damn. would drench my pants. Oh my but that fuck. was my exercise, you know. But it wasn't like the healthy way because I'd be drinking. Drinking. And you wouldn't be sleeping, so you're, you're going through stress. Too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My hydration was drinking more, which no, you know. So, anyways, it was, a, it was just a bad. You sur- survive, man. I know this crazy. is crazy, but you know that was at that time that was um, uh, when it, okay. So you know I, I was uh, I was cold sweating, and they they ended up taking me to the hospital. And that day, I remember I went to three different hospitals in 24 hours. And so the reason that happened was because in China, uh, and not to hate on China like medical like world, but that it's just not safe because they don't know what they're doing. Like I went to the hospital and they're like, Oh, okay. You had to, they put the EKG on me and they I'm just like, make shit up. They're, they're like, like, maybe they, we they can do like, the clear oh, you had, like the movies. You yeah. Know? <laughs> they're like, Oh, you had a, they're they like, Oh, your, your health, your uh, heart monitor is like kind of abnormal. So let's, here's a shot. They shot me in the stomach right here. This was the shot. I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I let them do it. You know? What the Yeah. Fuck? Because I was like, I don't know what to do. Cause I was freaking out. Like I, I literally felt I was dying, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I don't know how it feels, but like you feel, feel like you're slowly like dis, like dissolving. Yeah. And then, you know, it's a good thing I was with my staff and I was like, you know, I was crying, you know. Of course. Yeah. I was, I was like, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And then I, I, I didn't call anybody, you know. And then um, next thing I knew, they're like, hey, you, everyone's like, and then someone called my mentor and then all, like everybody in China, like, hey, Joey's in the hospital, like something happened. And then they're like, okay, you guys got to get him to Hong Kong. And then um, one of my partners that was in Hong Kong, she came and got me. We went to Hong Kong, went to the first hospital. That hospital, they like gave me a shot too. Those guys didn't know what they were doing either. You know, so I had two shots. And then like they didn't even ask you what you got at the other hospital. No, they didn't. They they had paperwork from China, but they ignore that because that China paperwork is garbage. Oh my god, dude! You know, so it's just like going to underground like hospitals. So, anyways, I was there, and then like they had like the heart monitor on me or whatever, and then I ended up going to like the most, uh, I guess, well known hospital called Sanatorium in Hong Kong, and they ended up like doing diagnosis. They had like Harvard like doctors and stuff look at me, and they're like, um, I had like a little clog. You know, but it was like to the, it was borderline where I didn't need to get a splint. Yeah. Um, but this is, I'm, I'm not even 30. That's fucking crazy, yet, dude. And this happened, you know? You're way too young for that shit. Exactly. And then like, you know, that's why it's like, you want to push yourself, but don't go too far and always consider your health. You well, know? The, how do you balance it then? Because like you're, you're a serial entrepreneur. So when somebody tells yeah. you to stop, I mean, you really don't know what your limits are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll, I'll be a hypocrite telling people to like be healthy, but for me, I'll, I usually have like 10, 10 minutes out of the day, which is enough for me. And um, for a long time, because when I lived in Asia, I flew every two weeks and uh, between L.A. and Hong Kong, which is like 15 hour flights. Right. And I would fly like every week everywhere. Fuck, but 
when my creative ideas and my meditation was in moving vehicles or moving transportation. Too. Oh shit, that's so crazy. Yeah. And, I, and so, when I don't travel and work on planes, I don't feel. Yeah. yeah. So I, my, my, all my video game ideas, my product ideas, et cetera, fuck. wouldn't come until I either was on an island. And my brother's like, why the fuck you gotta go to an island to think of something every time, you know? I'm like, well, it just, I guess it's the atmosphere. And I learned, I started researching how to like, everyone has a different way to meditate, you know? Yeah. And I, I figured out a way. Someone, one day I met somebody who was like into, yoga where it's like yeah you got to learn to like block your your thoughts and clear your mind you know and people who do yoga or meditate they're like yeah you got to clear your mind empty and you your feel mind. relaxed yeah empty your mind or whatever they do and then they're like if a thought's coming in you can block it i was like what sounds like you know some street fighter shit or whatever but i i just did it on my own it's like i don't even know it's meditating i don't know what it is but i learned how to do something that I don't know if it's a secret. So you take 10 minutes to just clear it. Yeah. So, so I would, when I, when, before I got married, like I would travel somewhere for even like three, four days. And I, I learned how to, to be there with n- no thought, like sit there and, and I'd sit in like a room like this and, and then clear everything till I, I thought of nothing. And then, and then I, let's say if I want to come up with a new, I came up, I've come up with some crazy video game ideas. You know, like where uh, you could plug a Nintendo console into a Super Nintendo console. Like, who would think of that? You know, yeah. like, how could you even do that? And like, even for me, I don't know how I thought of that. So in those times when I was able to block out those thoughts and learn how to meditate, that's how I kind of had like my, my healthy session. And and then that's when I would relax and kind of like de-stress. Mm. Um, and also food. Food, cooking was an outlet. But like, so cooking, that alone time, plus the meditation time or whatever you want to call those sessions that I had those helped or when i was in moving vehicles or especially in the airplane people aren't yelling and screaming you know yeah so like those are the times when i'd spend those like 10 12 hours on the plane and i'd brainstorm and i'd those were like my relaxing times you know and then help you're still working (laughs) i'm still working i'm still working but the thing is like you're not drinking and being destructive right you're not yeah exactly and and the crazy part is like to you you guys that's like dude you that's not really relaxing you're still working but i think like if we're i don't want i'm not comparing myself to like elon Musk or whatever but i think you know, Jeff Bezos, uh, Tony Shea, for all sure. these guys. Yeah. And I've met Tony. Tony's a very humble guy. I mean, uh, everybody knows Tony. He started Zappos.com, bought out by Jeff. But I've met him a few times and he's a very humble guy, very like introverted. But I know he does stuff like this. And those kind of sessions, whatever yeah. you do, and then take, balancing your health there, that's what gets you to like think of these crazy ideas and businesses and yeah, and then make make decisions that are risky. But you know, calculated for and, sure. Dude. And like, it's hard for me now to, to get to, to do that because I have two kids, but I'll find time. Like, even if it's two minutes, like even in the, like my car rides today, two hours in the car today, but I had some good ideas today. So, That's tight, man. Yeah. So anyways, no, no dude, yeah. There, but. yeah, no, no, you're right. <laughs> uh, how to take a break. Uh, don't burn out, you know? Yeah. Um, suffering, uh, health issues. Like that's the dark side of entrepreneurship because we don't, it it I don't know if you feel the same, but I feel like I'm not being grateful. I feel guilty. I feel wrong to um, take a break. That's how I did. So mm-hmm. then, so then, like I just keep burning myself out because I'm like, I never had this opportunity before. I gotta take it. Yeah. Like I feel like a bitch for whining and resting because it only takes me one day to make this fifty thousand dollar thing or whatever, yeah, right? right? And then you gotta do it. Because if I don't, I feel weak. I feel I feel like I, I feel wrong. Like I feel like entitled. Yeah, you know. 
It's like a FOMO thing. You don't Damn, do it now. You're yeah. missing out. Yeah. I feel like I'm more Cambodian than you, dude. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just praying like, please, somebody just leave a duffel bag of money in front of my door. Please. <laughs> I, I don't, don't want to work anymore. Like, well, you went, you went through this, you went through this uh, last two years, David. Like we all, we, we all faced burnout. In a bad yeah. way, in a bad way, right? Like, uh, and then it, and it was like um, we went through a depressive state, and um, you know, I think it's a little bit different because the demand for our kind of work is also entertainment, and we have yeah. to be in front of the camera, we have to pretend that we're happy and whatever. Like, well, not pretend, but you know what I mean. Like, it's 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 a job. Like, you're you don't want fucking Jay Leno to go up on stage and be like, "Today I'm sad." Like, you want him to yeah. entertain you, right? Like. <laughs> So entertainment's like the right. Yeah. So, but you you were behind the scenes, and and um um you it's a different type of what's what you call it like uh, demand. Right, it's different, right? Because we're not we we're balancing art and entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. But I I could tell like if we were pure entrepreneur, that would also be really hard too. I mean you're you're just yeah. a very hands-on person too because yeah. even at Smorgasburg, what are you doing at the cash register dude? <laughs> like what is that about? Why don't you explain that to me? Right. I'm like what is Joey doing at the fucking cash it's register? It's funny that cuz you're not definitely not the only one that always asks me, like, <laughs> "Why the fuck do you fry chicken every Sunday?" For yeah. I've been at Smorgas for a year and a half yeah. frying you, chicken. You own multiple companies. Your time is more worthy conceptualizing new ideas and all this stuff. <laughs> But yeah, you're literally, I see you at the booth and I'm just like, you love to work. <laughs> so so one thing that people don't know, especially people who see me at Smorgasburg, and I get asked this every weekend, they're like, why the fuck are you on the fryer? Yeah. So the fryer is a secret because to me, to now everyone knows, it's like my meditation time. And I like to be on oh. the fryer. And, see, that's, I, and, and that, time, to work. That, time, <laughs> <laughs> that time that I'm on the fryer, I'm only focusing on one thing. But what people don't know is that while I'm focusing on making sure the chicken is cooked and there's enough cycle, because there's a whole process to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Everything, there's a process. Yeah. And I've developed, I think, an efficient process for, for the frying the chicken. But at, during that time, um, I'm thinking about other things. And, and it's my time that no one can bother me mm. except for someone saying, hey, you need more chicken. That's it. And, and, and right now, like, especially those out there married, you guys aren't married yet, but you know, having kids, kids are beautiful, but it's like I can't be in a house and fucking annoying is what I mean, you annoy are. me. So it's my time. I have, I have, I have, I have no kids. You have two, and I'm already fucking breaking down and crumbling, <laughs> dude. I'm so fucking lazy, man. Like on this podcast, I should be doing promo for it when an episode releases. I'm just like, they know it's out. <laughs> I'm like, I just move on. I'm like, they know. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. But yeah, I mean, as far as where I like to be there, sometimes I'm I I don't micromanage. That's one thing that I've learned over the years. You don't do that. Trust your staff. Trust your employees. I mean, you, you used to, to micromanage. Though. Probably like, the but that's first a lesson you have to. Years. That's a hard lesson you have to learn. Yeah, because I, I did the same. I shit. teach that to some business partners. Yeah. or you gotta let peers. go. It's yeah. gonna stress you the fuck you, out for the stupidest yeah, thing. You have oh, to. Oh, this is not fucking crooked. This, this, this. like <laughs> just shut the fuck up. Leave. Let somebody yeah. do it. You, yeah, you gotta you gotta trust and delegate. And then yeah, let people make their mistakes. And, and you then. tell people this because they're too fixated on the little minutia. Right? Always, yeah. always, yeah. Because you can't you can't scale and grow if you don't trust people yeah you know so unless they want to run that. the shop themselves and they care right, about just right. the shop yeah That's and I, I, we have a good team right now we have yeah. people come they're like damn how do you support all these people you know we got five or six people like you know just like other booths. but we're just one fried chicken booth we have five people there now and i'm still there just to make sure 
you know everyone's all good but now i think i've come to the point where i'm actually not there every weekend mm. which is amazing for people to see that yeah you know but i'll be there you know at least a couple hours just to see things going and trying to work on things so hopefully answering questions yeah, David. you're you're just always inspiring me man like it's it's pretty cool <laughs> um, self-esteem just dropped so low oh, for no. an hour and hour and 15 minutes i just feel well, like a piece of shit <laughs> well, wait wait go, so going going back i want to i want to i want to make sure people hear about this part though like the the heart issue right yeah um so when i was at the hospital um it might sound crazy but and this is what changed my out like outlook on life not that it was I had a bad outlook, but I had this crazy vision. Now it's even crazier. And I think I'm alive now for some certain reason. I'm not religious, but I believe in some higher being. Okay. Um, but I was there in the bed at sanatorium. I stayed there over a week because I love the food, by the way. Okay. <laughs> dude. You're just like, nah, I'm still sick. I think I need to stay here. Yeah, uh, dude. They had, amazing. they had wonton noodles, chasu. It was freaking bomb. But anyways, people who know the household, they know the food's good. They people, fucking gave you that shit when you had a heart attack. That's yeah, funny, dude. Yeah. Like, you can some, order anything. It's crazy. Some fucking fat pork. Here yeah. Because yeah, that'll help your clogged arteries. Yeah. It's funny. Um, but yeah, we people people actually go there just to eat. That's that tired. hospital. You anyway, mean like the you mean like the, the hospital? Yeah. What the fuck? Because the food's decent there. <laughs> Anyways, um, so like I was I was this is like you know they were monitoring me. I was, it's been like two three days, and then I, I was asleep or not asleep. I don't know, but I saw like six lights, right? And like and, like fucking just lights just around you. Yeah. Now oh, I, I was asleep, and and then I was getting close, and it was like, uh, you know, I saw a big light, six lights, and then that was like that happened for a moment. I woke up, no one's around me. Yeah. And then I realized I started to think, um, maybe the six lights were like angels or people that helped me. And yeah. then there was a light, like I felt like I either could go there and that was it, or I stay here and do my job. And my job not meaning my business, but maybe I have a bigger purpose. Yeah. Which I might sound crazy and maybe drug talk right now. But um yeah, then I realized like shit. I, I, I think and I don't like to use the word pay it forward and it's not about that, but over 10 years, 15 years, I mean, do I deserve where I'm at now or where I want to be or what think people what people think that I've achieved? Like, do I deserve all this? Am I lucky or what it is? You know, I'm, I'm very thankful and grateful. And I think uh, people, so many people, especially my mentor, like having good friends that still care about, especially when I had my heart issue. When, you know, and, and even talking about that, like when I had my heart issue, the people that like texted, messaged me, those are the people you know that are there for you till the end. Mm -hmm. How many people didn't care to even send a message? You know, they're just there just to use you. And I yeah, realized yeah, yeah. that it had to get to that point. Wow. And I would have to say, like, let's say there's 10,000 people in my life. 500 people out of 10,000 really cared. Yeah. And then some people are like, oh, or just ignore. I don't want to help you until you're better, you know, because yeah. they don't want to deal with stress. So anyways, I learned a lot from that time. Then I realized, like, shit, maybe that was a sign, like. Like, you know, I was about to die. Yeah. I would, literally was. And then, like, I have a greater purpose. And and and, and before that, my brother and I went on a mission um, to in Cambodia. Because when it rains, one year of rice crop is gone. Yeah. And they don't have rice for a whole year. So we ended up getting, filling a whole container with the mama noodles and uh, 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 rice bags. Yeah. And we, it was, uh, it was like a swamp. We, we swam like one, one mile in swamp water to deliver where my, my parents, um, have like they grew up when my mom did and then we that it was like 100 families wow. and, and that day when we went on that mission 100 families after we donated they bowed down to me and my brother and 
I was like, I didn't know that feeling is like priceless and not like that saying like, oh, I'm a God or, or yeah, like, yeah, I have yeah. power. But, but that respect, right? The like respect, that thank you. And, yeah, it's yeah. like, it's Gratitude. not, it's not even like the tears part. It's like, damn, I, I don't know how to explain. Is there an adjective to, to describe that situ- that moment? And I was like, I want to always be in this type of moment where I can help a family. and I know that they're going to have food. So all those little things yeah. and, and that moment, plus my heart issues uh, and my health issues. I was like, okay, I've been saved more than once in my life. This is like my second, that the, this heart issue that I explained to you guys was my second encounter with life death. Um, and then I had a third one later on, still had involved drinking. Yeah. <clears throat> but three chances. I mean, how many more chances in my life do I get to stay alive i feel like you have multiple because those raving like, days bro like we, oh, okay. we should have fucking died oh, back okay. then <laughs> yeah yeah damn maybe maybe i'm a cat right fuck man we did some but, crazy shit back yeah, then yeah that's true that's true fucking laced I, weed and shit you still survived oh i know i know but it, it, the times when i actually felt like i was literally dying yeah those two three times and then going through a mission like that i think there was a purpose for me and all the stuff that I'm doing, like the the business that you guys see or know and the people out there that know what I have, like the video game businesses, my food businesses, my marketing, blah, blah, blah. I do all these not. It's OK. Yeah, they can make money. They make money. But where is that leading to? And I think that's what everybody wants to know. And some people do know I want to do things like in Cambodia and other worlds and uh, other countries. And it's leading up to that. And I'm I'm 36 right now. It's going to be 37. But when I hit 40, I want to make it known that I'm gonna go out there and really try to make an impact you know i want people to remember me that that i was able to change like an industry uh society or something like that it might sound cliche but that's really what i really want to do and i think now is is the like my chance to really like the next two three years get everything together exit where i could eventually and then go to the next level i see i see life as a video game to me yeah it is I think you could do it, man. I think you have what it takes. Yeah. But it's, yeah. And, and then this is another thing. I think like all my relationships and I think this is, everything happens for a reason, right? Um, all the relationships that I've built, the network that I've built, uh, all my friends and family are going to help me get there because I couldn't do it alone. You no, know? no one like, can. Yeah. Like yeah. let's say if I'm going to go on a mission in Cambodia, I can't can. do it myself. Yeah. None of us can you do it. You know, and I want to be alone. able to bring people along with me to do yeah, that. I'll and go I'll, to Cambodia with you. Awesome. Yeah. And to get there, you know, I mean, you need money and yeah. you need to be yep. stable. You know, and then like like people always tell me like you got to help yourself before I help other people. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, know, I'm still sure. working on helping like myself, my family, etc. But that's like where I'm trying to. You lead provided to. you provide so much opportunity and so much work for people. It's insane. Like I think, like I got a staff about thirty, and maybe in the in the food side, maybe we got about a hundred. But then like you got thousands <laughs> of people that you created jobs yeah. for. And so, um, you know, I don't know if, if, uh, you, you owe any explanation to anybody because you already did so much greatness, right? That's the crazy and, part. Though. Yeah. Cause I, it's crazy for me to say it, but I feel like I haven't done enough. And, and then like, <laughs> I feel like and I, people always like, dude, wait, you know, normal question people are like, they see the business, like, especially Inex. Yeah. Like, Oh dude, when are you going to retire? And then I was like, I honestly, and I always say this probably like I've 
I probably reached like five percent of the potential that I really where I want to be. Mm, you're crazy, man. Exactly. Once, once once I have thirty million, I'm done forever. <laughs> I will disappear and nobody will ever see me again, dude. Yeah, right. You're gonna get into so many different hobbies and you're gonna use that money for other I'm things. I'm gonna be and, juggling. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just we're not in his we're not at his level yet. So once we get to that level, I think our minds are gonna snap into something else. Oh god, man. Like I just I just want to disappear. You know what? I'll go to Cambodia with you. How about that? Yeah. Let's I'll go to Cambodia. Yeah. Cambodia trip. I'll go to Cambodia. I'll do all that shit. Dude, See, I, if I didn't have to think about money, I think I'd be like on your level where, I mean, what I mean by it is that, um, so when you don't have the burden of thinking about what am I going to do in the next 10 years? Can I buy a house? Can I do this? If you don't have that thought, you can start thinking about everybody. You could start thinking about everyone in the way where it's like, Hey man, there's this whole group of people that need some help. How can I bring what I got into this energy? Mm-hmm. But most people are just trying to figure out for themselves, right? Yeah. Like, what am I going to do? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I want to win the lotto, though. <laughs> I would love Those are to. different stages. I mean, I think those are just different levels and stages of your life where yeah. everyone figures that out yeah. eventually. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then you think of the next stage. and mm-hmm. I'm always stuck at every level, though. What's your, what's your uh, work day like then in terms of work? Like what, what happens? Like, I feel like you wake up and all of a sudden there's 17 computers around your face <laughs> you know? and then you're just like typing all them out. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So it's, yeah. So, um, one, one year I calculate, like I spent, I spend more time in the computer than in the outside world. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I, when I was traveling, I was spending 30 full days in the air, in the airplane. Annually? Uh, annually so you spent one, one month, month out of an entire year just in hours the, wise in the airplane fuck man so 30 30 literally around 30 28 to 30 days i calculated for those times i was in china back and forth spending 30 like wherever i was flying yeah it was like 28 30 days in, in the airplane but um because of like my commute from china to hong kong my la and hong kong travels uh, multiple businesses and how I structure. So I have a pretty good formula. And that's why I think people ask me to consult for the business. It's like, I have a good formula where, uh, I you know, you got to be strict on your schedule. So it's like you wake up um, before, okay, b- the night before, uh, I always have an Evernote or, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys use an Evernote, but I have Evernote or a note and I know what I'm going to do from 8 a.m. Well, now I have to wake up at 7 because my daughter's waking me up at 7 a.m. But 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. Oh. until like 7 p.m. and I know like 6 p.m. I got to be with my kids. So I have to now factor my family time. But every hour uh, and even I'm always a, a week ahead, but every hour, every two hours, I know what I'm doing. You guys have schedules. Uh, everyone has a schedule, but I already know what I want to accomplish the next day. And you're always going to have a, wow. a to-do list, you know? You're fucking crazy, man. So I'm a fucking wind. I'm a leaf in the wind, dude. I wake up. I'm like, take me wind somewhere. <laughs> You're fucking crazy. Yeah. So, so let's say you want to accomplish uh, ten things tomorrow, mm-hmm. um, and you, I, I'm pr- pretty sure there's always something on your list that you always want to do. But you, you never get you, sad and go. You I put don't want to do this shit. Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I don't think it's. I don't want to do it. But I'm like, shit, dude. What I get myself into? Then I start to realize, like, shit. I do want to do this, but I'm burn. I burn out. You know, I burn out. Yeah. Fight with your freaking wife and go. Fuck. I'm not working today. Yeah. All that shit. I mean, she always. <laughs> Fiona's probably gonna listen to this, but yeah. Sh- I mean, she's, we all fight with our girlfriends, babe. We yeah, talk about yeah, this shit yeah, all the time, yeah. but yeah. Like yeah. stupid. Fiona's bitches, working. Right? Fiona's working now. She's, she's doing CPA work, but 
uh she says i work too much and yeah. but she supports me at the same time the what? kids my kids even know yeah does she just work just to work for fun she just she, she just she goes i need to feel important right? so no, I'm, gonna, no. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work all right no, but, uh, so so like you're pretty fucking disciplined is what i'm trying to say is like if yeah because if, if be. i get thrown off track all the time me and too because it, and it's hard for me to do shit when i'm angry yeah I'm like i'm so angry i got work to do but I could do it tomorrow, baby. Yeah, I mean, but if I set a goal that I want to, like, you always have that that task or tasks that you always wanted to finish, and you say, "I got to get that tomorrow," but you don't get to it. For me, it's like I have ten things, but what I learned um, is like you just got to like f- knock off like two of the highest priority or the highest priority one in the next day, and then you should be good. Because a lot of times people have a list of twenty things to do, and then they go to the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest things to do, like take all the trash. Ah, did it. Okay, I'm gonna go rest. You know, you talking about me right now, dude? Because <laughs> you were talking about me right now, man. I look at that list, and then I look at my girlfriend. I go, "You want to watch uh, Netflix?" Because <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's actually some really good advice. Because I think when uh, sometimes when people set goals, they kind of go too broad and too big, and they don't think about the day to day stuff. Right? Right. They go within the year, I'm gonna do this. So, what right. does that mean? <laughs> you know? Well, it's good to set goals. Yeah, yeah. It's good to set goals, but it's like. Like you have your your vision. I have. I already. I know where I want to be in five years. I mean, anyone can talk about that, but I really am every day. People don't. That's they, they don't see it, but like every day in my life, every minute counts. So it's like Joe asked me to come, and I felt bad last time I was supposed to come see you guys. Don't feel bad because I don't feel bad. I feel bad. Okay, <laughs> I feel bad because if I make a commitment, I want to come. No, it's but, cool. You know, bro. It, was, yeah. it was just so crazy. Things happen. Yeah. I got to put out fires, but like, <clears throat> I'm not saying like people waste my time, but I want to be here because I want. To hang out and, yeah. and yeah. chat, you know, and I've known Joe for so long. It's not even doing a favor of something, but I just want, I want to be somewhere because any action I take, I feel is another step towards a goal. And where does this discussion bring us? Could bring us nowhere, but I right. feel it brings me and Joe as a relationship and David, you and I, we don't really talk, but us talking together, it's maybe a contribution to something in the future. I want to and take you never a know. picture of your naked body and put it on the wall. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> Add me to the drawing up there, okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Sharpie marker. I'm going to draw you right here. Sha- shave one of their heads off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have them in a fucking yeah, yeah. pose, too. Oh, like, put, put sun in, in one of their hair. It's but. cool because like, I feel like the stuff that you kind of learned along the way yeah. is wasn't taught in school, right? It was Definitely something that not. you learned and you picked up and you went through a lot of trials and tribulations to get to where you're at. Yeah. And so like... So I'm like, I'm listening to stuff. I'm picking up stuff. I was like, God damn, dude. I mean, he's right, dude. I mean, he has the right mindset. He has the discipline. He has all the things that every entrepreneur aspires to be. But what happens is like, I think life gets in the way and we go Always. on and off. Always. Right. Cause like I work in waves. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be a high performer, <laughs> yeah, me too, high fucking performer. Give me three, four months. I'll just hit that shit hard. Yeah. And something happens. I'm, I become sad and I'm like, I'm sad. I'm a, I want to go on vacation. I don't give a fuck. Right. Or, or just something happens. And then, yeah. um, it's it's I think the 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 key to it is really controlling your emotions yeah. and your motivations mm-hmm. or like just sticking with shit. It's that big picture thing too. Yeah. You know yeah. what you want at the end. And if you don't do these things, that big picture won't be complete. You're not gonna get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's like your push and that's your motivation. You know what I mean? Because my big picture right now is to find that bag of cash somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you don't really work. It might be the- in Cambodia <laughs> at a donut shop. I know. <laughs> Korean guy opens donut shop in Cambodia. I'm going to dig something up in Angkor Wat. This is this fucking case of just like gold. <laughs> I'm going to create an army full of monkeys. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, that's cool, man. Well, yeah. dude, that was probably, man, that was like the most informative podcast ever. It was awesome, dude. Yeah, I told you, you was going to be a great guest, man. Uh, you, you motherfuckers better have listened How to this. How long do you run this for? About 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, so yeah, but did. that's this is this is great stuff because every time we talk about entre- entrepreneurship, it's like on the low level shit. <laughs> so now this is like some real entrepreneurial shit, dude. This is what we aspire to be. We're like still. Oh. We're, we're infants. Yeah, we're no. still getting things started. Everyone's at their own stage. It's all good. Yeah, for sure. I got a long way to go, man. man yeah, nah, all of us. Oh, I'm just trying to go to where you're at. Just stop. So, like, you're, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, yep. uh, that ends this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. You guys can see us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, any type of audio platform. We're there on the YouTube comments below. Write comments, interact with each other, have conversations. Uh, Joey, plug everything that you can so they know what's up. <laughs> okay, what do we got? You can Instagram. Fo- you can follow me on Instagram, Joey Nagoa. You can follow my Food Network, Top Food News, uh, Fried Chicken Concept, Eat Bolo, my Fucking Retro bomb, Brand, Retrobit Gaming, my Plush Brand that I work with Sony. Uh, it's, it's called the Stubbins. We run all their plush toys. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, and we we just have a five year license with Sega to reproduce all the retro. Oh my god consoles and accessories officially for sega it's people can see it right now on amazon so we're we actually making the original official sega i love sega accessories and that's amazing other projects coming out oh dude you guys don't even know man it's gonna be wild what else yeah that's it find me find me at smorgasburg every sunday just frying chicken like a simpleton. Don't, don't bother me while I'm on the <laughs> yeah. fryer. Oh, I'm going to throw hot soybean oil in here. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, that is the podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys next time, man. Toodaloo, motherfuckers. Peace. <laughs>